you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. We're in the book of John. We're in chapter 3. This is the Apostles' teaching, the Apostles' doctrine. In Acts chapter 2, the believers in Jesus, this early church, this gathering of people that are, are placing their faith in this Messiah that has come to earth, Emmanuel, God, with us. He came right down here to be a person, a human, the created. Who is the creator? Fully God, fully man, the God man, Jesus Christ. They, we found him. Come and see. We found him. They're placing their faith. They're living their lives according to this man's teachings. They're following him. They're being discipled. They're being trained and raised up to be like their teacher. Scripture says it's enough for a student to be like his master. It's enough. Pastor Caleb always reminds me of that. <laughs> it's enough for a student to be like his master. It's like, Amen. I said, that's why I preach so long. No, I'm just kidding. I don't tell him that, but it's probably true. In, uh, in the apostles' teaching, that's one of the big four in Acts chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and prayers. Four things. They devoted themselves to it. So when you come every week to church, your friends might look at you like, every week? You're like, yeah, every week. I mean, it's like I have to wait seven days even, you know, to be with everybody. You know, we certainly and hopefully are together in pockets during the week, aren't we? I mean, there are people who get together, bless God, and you're supposed to. You're supposed to be together. Just, and not even like for like a Bible study, but just for the fellowship, just for breaking bread, you know? And you'll pray for one another as, this is life together. Amen, Monique? Life together. That's what we are trying to live, life together. And they devoted themselves to this. There are people who are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> are you? Like you do, I mean, you can just say, it's like, are you devoted? Like, do you pray? No. You know, do you gather? No. I mean, what do you do? Well, we eat. Okay. Everybody eats. Anyway, um, everybody eats. No, that's, that's a different song. It's everybody hurts, but I think some people got that. Um, Michael Stipe's bald. Anyway, whatever. Uh, I think that's where the similarities end. All right. All I have to say, we have to be devoted to these things. Amen. So let me read in the ESV, John 3, verses 14 to 21. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, does it, by the way, do we have a context for that? Do we know what happened during the Exodus time? And people were sick, and they, they lifted up this pole. God said, lift up the pole. It's a whole thing, and you'll pray there, and it'll be healed. I was like, oh my gosh. It's, so he's referring all the way back to Old Testament time. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and healing came, huh? so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Okay, so life, I mean, if you're so sick you're going to die, that's it, your life's over. So the, the pole was raised up with the serpents on it. That's actually, you know, with the medical pole with the, the serpents on it, that's where it comes from, the Bible. Imagine so much of our culture, so much of the, even the Christmas songs that we sing, you know, in the mall and whatever else, right, comes from this truth. And then we get to John 3.16. Has anyone been wondering when we're going to get to John 3.16 and, and what kind of, you know, carnival it's going to be in the church? You know, like, hey, we're going to get there. This is the big one. It's all the football players know this one, you know. You know. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He didn't just love people who, let's just get there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then you have to link it with 17. 
Because everyone's all down on God's motives or whatever. Oh, yeah, God's going to send me to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. You choose hell by not choosing Jesus in heaven. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Does God want to condemn people or save them? Hallelujah. All right, so we have just now proved it. (laughs) Amen. And verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Amen. O Lord, bless the reading and even more the application of your word in each one of the hearts here. Amen. This series is called The Beloved. John the Apostle is writing... It's part of the overarching apostles' teaching. And this is number 28, message number 28. It's called, People Must Know. So if you're taking notes, write that down. People must know. Where does that come from? It comes from a hashtag from The Chosen. We went to see Christmas with The Chosen the other day. Was that fun? That was good, huh? I enjoyed it. And their message is, People Must Know. In fact, this, this year's Christmas movie was called The Messengers. People must know. And John is trying to give us a clue. He's, he's writing his gospel, fourth one in the New Testament. John's writing his gospel so that people know, look, I was with Jesus. This is what actually went down. And who knows that even now in a court of law, you need eyewitness testimony. That's still a thing. And that's... Someone's personal testimony, Pastor Caleb reminded me years ago, he said, you know what can't ever be refuted? Your story, your personal experience, what actually happened to you. And so when you go out and say, look, Jesus changed my life. I was careening headlong into death and hell, but he found me and he rescued me and I'm different now. All things have become new. See it like that. I came up out of the water, man, I'm new. I'm all new. Yeah, but you still mess up. Yeah, but I'm forgiven. And he sees me through Jesus. And so it's like I'm perfect. It's like just as if I've never sinned, I'm justified in the sight of God. Amen. Because I'm all new. John is trying to communicate a message to the rest of the church and now we have the benefit all these years later of still having it written down, this first-hand account. So here's John, the apostle. And the apostle is someone who is more broadly like leading leaders, you know, and starting these new works, and, and things are sprouting up because of his investment or her investment, apostleship. He's a disciple of Jesus. A disciple, anyone from OSL knows, is a disciplined follower of, and in our case, Jesus. So he's an apostle, he's a disciple, he's one of the big 12, right? 12 plus, Judas, we'll get there. Anyway, um, Matthias, we give Matthias, bless the Lord. Uh, And we'll get there too, some opinions on Matthias, but um, the... John, who's John's brother? Oh, wait, he's part of the big 12, right? But more than that, he's part of the big three. That's right. Jesus, like closest inner circle, John's part of that. Who are the other two? Anyone? James and Peter, that's right. Very good. Well done. I will come down to you with that mic later. When I have a little more confidence in the microphone. <laughs> Situation. All right, so he's, he's the brother of, hold on, who, who, who is he the brother of? I'm, I'm, I can't stay away from you because I, I love you. Yeah, 
Well, tell us who the brother is then. Who's, who's John's brother? Peter. Who's John's, John's brother? brother. Uh, James. Yeah, there you go. James, what do they do for a living? Yeah, they did. That's right. They were fishing for a living. All right. Taking what they're giving because I'm fishing for a living. No? Certainly there's some old people like me. I know Bethany don't get it. She doesn't get any of my old people references. But there are some other people that do, that have lived a minute. Right? All right. <laughs> All right. The brother of James. And does anyone remember that James and John and Jesus were together? And uh, they, they weren't well received. And they start talking all kinds of retribution. Jesus, you want we should rain some fire down from heaven on these knuckleheads? Let's just kill them. Right? Nuke them till they glow and shoot them in the dark. Let's burn these suckers up. I mean, he, it's, I mean, talking about fire and brimstone, right? It's like, and they got the nickname, Sons of Thunder. Yeah. I don't even know, Boanginis, or, I don't, I've never figured out how to say that. It says it in the scripture. But I don't, Sons of Thunder is good enough for me. Just keep it in English, can we? All right. Um, what do you call someone who speaks, uh, Two languages. Bilingual. What do you, someone who speaks more than two languages. Multilingual, right? Uh, someone who speaks one language. American. <laughs> All right. That was, it's not a part of this. Let's, let's get it back together, church. Come on. All right. So John is the disciple that Jesus loved. If he does say so himself. <laughs> and he does. I like it in the chosen Mary. He's like, you're the only one that feels, he loved everybody. You're the only one that needs to talk, feels the need to talk about it. Um, to remind us all. That's in John 13, if you want to skip ahead. Uh, John writes his gospel testimony of Jesus. And all of his writings happen around 70 to 90 AD. Fair enough? 70 to 90 AD. And so he writes the, his gospel here, like we're going through the book of John. He writes the epistles in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. He writes the book of Revelation. He gets a revelation of Jesus. And so in, in about 20 years, he has these many writings that are collected and we, we hear him. And, and it's, it's so crazy. This man becomes the love disciple. He's all, he's talking about love and love one another. How many times? Ten times he writes about loving one another in, in his writings. After he's like, you know what, Jesus, we can just kill him right now. Let's kill him. And James, no better. Yeah. We'll kill him. Christians, you know, like, like what, you know, they're as near to Christian as they can get at that point, right? They're walking with Jesus. Let's just kill him. Mm -mm. Anyway, but he changes. They both change from the sons of thunder. And now, now John it, it becomes the, the love disciple. And, and that's partially why I call this series the beloved. You know, he's, he's now, he's like, he's pinging on love instead of divine retribution. Um, and who knows that when, when you have a radical transformation, it's profound. And people can see it. And so if, if you're healed, the, the, the man who didn't walk, and he's like, yeah, I've never walked before, but now he's walking. That's something. That's a transformation. But it's, it's just as potent. He's like, you were always mean, but now I, I really like you. You know, now you're so nice and encouraging. Like, there are changes that can go on to people. Bless God. Has anyone experienced a heart change like that? Amen. Amen. I, people used to struggle with me, and now I never have any conflict at all. <laughs> no, it, but it's a lot better. Bless the Lord. Some of those rough edges, you know, iron sharpens iron, but not without heat and sparks, you know? So yeah, but the Lord has done a work in me and I'm changed. I'm transformed. You know, and I always tell people, I was like, oh, if you, if you don't like me now, just imagine what it would have been like 20 years ago when I was starting. You would have hated it. All right. But here's John. And, and you gotta love John for all these reasons, but 
particularly this. What's today's message called? People must know. And so John is doing what he can to let people know. And John eventually gets exiled. He's not allowed to live where he wants. You know, he gets thrown out of the country, right? And uh, he's writing, keeps writing, keeps speaking. But it's not just that. I think we already struggle with that. I think we already struggle with writing a a long text message or an email or a, a card or anything to someone about the Lord Jesus. I mean, anyone spend an abundance of time just, you know, writing a lot of stuff about Jesus, sending out lots of scripture to people to encourage them, talking about the... I mean, we struggle. In the rock, I think we struggle far less. But I think it's a, it's a North American cultural problem for the, the Christians in America. We're not so about it that we're sharing Jesus all the time. But here's John, and here's what is really striking to me. God oh, bless you. He's doing all this, and all of his best friends, his brothers, his family, are getting killed for it. No one is breaking down our doors and hunting us right now and trying to kill us for sharing Jesus. And how effective are we? How much of that word are we getting out? Or could we be doing better? Are there more neighbors that we have that we haven't spoken to yet? As if there's going to be some magic time that all of a sudden, I don't know, your mouth just opens and words start pouring out about how, how much Jesus loves you and, and God didn't send him into the world to condemn you, but that you would be saved. As if it's just going to happen by magic. This is not Harry Potter. Amen. It doesn't just happen. Someone say, it doesn't just happen. But someone say, but people must know. So then what? Ah, we must tell them. That's exactly right. I've, for years and years, I remember, I think it was Pastor David Platt, he, he had written a book called Radical, which is great. And he says, the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. If we don't do it, it won't be done. We must do it because people must know. And, and I was just really internalizing this because here's John going the distance while all those, he, I mean, he became the love disciple, right? This guy's in love with everybody. He's loving everybody and they're all getting killed. His closest inner circle, all being martyred for Jesus. He's the only one that church history holds in the 12 that was not martyred for his faith. I'm wondering, Marshall, you think you have enough leadership acumen to get your your crew to come up here? Come on. Come on. Doug and Edie, would you come? Would you? Would you come? Yeah, just right, right up here. And Chloe, yes. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slide over here. Come, come, follow. Just. We'll line up in a row. How you feel? Amazing. Mm. All right. Is there enough space for us all? Okay. Now just stay there. Shall we count them? How many do you see? Twelve. Okay. And then persecution comes... To the church. Doug and Edie, you can come. That's not persecution, that was love. Um, 
But by the way, whenever anyone goes out, it, this is, they're dead now. Okay? Okay, they're dead. All right, Paul. Come. Yes. Priscilla? I don't want to go yet. No. I, I, hey, <laughs> if, if it was that easy, right? We get to choose. We get to choose. No, don't persecute me today. No, they're dead. Marshall, Alex, dead. You, I, look at that. Dying to self. Look at that. No, come on. Come on. Thank you for playing my games. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Two more. Come on down. I, I hate to do this to you. I'm sorry. Dead. Norma? Norma? Dead. Chloe, come up here at the, at the blue carpet. Stand by, stand by. How many are left? Out of how many? It looked great a minute ago, didn't it? Looks less great. But Chloe looks great. But imagine, here's Chloe holding it down for the whole rest of the church, right? Even though all of her favorite people, right? They're all dead. What happens now? Keeps going. This is, this is what I'm talking about. John, the apostle, is all alone now doing it in a manner of speaking. Chloe, you made it. Congratulations. All right. Come on, sister. No, I'm dead. No, 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 no. You're still alive. You get to live to a, a good old age and just die naturally, peacefully in your sleep. You're welcome. The only one that isn't killed for their faith and for preaching is John. Yet how rough would it be? Picture yourself in this situation. How strong is your faith going to be? When everyone around you is getting killed. And like, I'm so next. Right? They're coming for me. They're gunning for me. What do you do? Do you shut up? Just clam right up. I'm not saying nothing to nobody. No fish. No, you know. No, nothing. Or do you keep speaking? Do you keep writing? Do you keep investing in others, loving others? Hmm. It's hard for me to imagine such a thing because we don't live in it. I haven't gone through that. What do I know? I'm just imagining it. And here's John, and he, he does well. Would you agree that John has done well? And we're benefited and blessed and served by him continuing to be about his father's business? Amen. So he doesn't get martyred. He's the only one of the twelve that doesn't. And he keeps going so he can get the message out. I think John knew that people must know. And if I don't write what I've seen, well... Who's even left to do it? Right? I've got to write this down. I've got to write the vision of Jesus that I've seen. I mean, that was included in the instruction, but still, I mean, I'm writing it down. He's told to tell people this revelation of Jesus. Can we put up Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hold on there. Hold on there. Go back. Because didn't we just read in John 3? It's for everybody. Let's go back. I'm, I'm going I'm to go back for you. Whoever believes in, my, in him may have eternal life. Verse 20 says, everyone. Hold on. I got I to gotta get the positive one. The world, the whole world might be saved through him. Whoever does what is true comes to the light. This is, this is not a, what did Pastor Jennifer say this morning? There's no variation, no shadow of turning. He said it, he, he meant it then, he still means it now. Whosoever believes. Whosoever, it doesn't matter where you came from, what you act like, what your history is, what's been done to you, what you've done to others, what you've done to yourself, what you've done against God. None of that matters. God's like, I can work with all that. You come to me, I'll work with that. We'll settle all that. We'll work through all of that. Amen? 
and he doesn't change from that posture ever. Jesus Christ is the same. That's right. Yesterday, today, and forever. The whole Bible tells us how God never changes. And that his, his hope for everyone, his goal, his mission, the reason why he came is that everyone would be saved, that no one would perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? By the way, someone there does not mean me. It doesn't mean Pastor Jeff. It means Jeff, the guy. All right, the man. I have a task, but I'm just like you. I have an anointing to preach it, but no anointing to live it. I've got to work my schedule and figure out how it's going to be time for this now. I I put some attitude on it because that's, uh, how do we even jam one more thing in? I think that's my problem, right? Oh, how am I going to jam in evangelism to my schedule? Right? Wrong starting place. Yeah? I have to work it out just like you do. But that's why I call you so hard to it, because I know this is going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. This is going to take some investment and some, what does Acts 2 say? Devotion. Devotion. How are they going to hear without someone preaching? Go ahead. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I want to ask you something today. How beautiful are your feet? We get stuck in this thing. It's like, oh, well, you're at the rock, you know, or my church, you know, wherever you are, right? Or just Christians in general. We'll, we'll get it done. Someone, someone's getting it done. We, we are getting it done. I'm part of us. And surely someone's saying something about Jesus. I mean, not me, but surely someone is. And, and it's the us mentality that we fall into. And it's like, well, when is it ever me? When do I ever own this and embrace this? I can't get to heaven because of your faith. I have to go to heaven on my faith, on my confession of Jesus as Lord, as King and Master. Personal. One to one. We we can't just rely. I can't rely on Chris going and getting people saved, and I never have to do anything. Oh no, I'll just come here and you can sit and listen to me talk. Spare me. No, we're all meant to be loving others and sharing the rescue. Because people are desperate for the rescue. They don't even know what it is necessarily until you're sent to them and start preaching it out. You don't have to be called preacher, but would you just give them the truth? Because they'll know the truth and the truth will make them free. Just tell them the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. Tell them about Jesus. And just start wherever. You'll know. The Holy Spirit will help you. If you're willing to go, the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to open your mouth, God will fill it. Amen? He'll fill it with the right words. He'll say, this is the right time. Do it now. Who, who's gotten that do it now word? Anyone? You've been like doing something. It's like, this is not even convenient right now. And the Lord's like, did I say anything about convenience? I said, do it. <laughs> you know, like, do it. Do it today. And do it at Crest Chevrolet too. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Uh, the Rock is not affiliated with Crest Chevrolet. Um, but how beautiful are your feet? Are you going and making disciples? <laughs> I was going to make a joke about sitting around, but uh, we'll just stick with beautiful feet, shall we? How beautiful are your feet? Why don't we just all consider this our spiritual mani-pedi? All right? The kingdom of heaven is at your hands. Yeah? I'm, I'm talking to someone. And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
You're, you're willing to go to someone who needs help. That's beautiful. That's loving. That, <laughs> that's it. That's it. We do this thing at our church called the Rock Lab. Because this has been, wow, what a lecture, right? I've t- talked to you, talked at you. And now we have to get into this. How? How do I do this? Because I'm not used to living this, if we can be honest. I'm not used to living this. I'm not used to the pastor requiring this of me, <laughs> right? I don't know where you went to church before, but here we get involved in this thing. Not only are we family with one another, we take excellent care of one another, but there's a whole world out there that's going to hell unless, until you intervene. You bring Jesus with you. The kingdom of heaven is at your hands. And you're only ever this far away from your hands. They're always right here, right? I can reach them all the time. Kingdom of heaven is that close. So we're going to, to get into this. I'd like to pray before we do. Father, would you help us to hear your voice, your instruction? We need your wisdom. You said if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given. So Lord, we ask you for wisdom, and we thank you for it. We declare that we have it now because we've asked for it. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Teach us in a way that we haven't fully embraced or learned yet. But we want to learn. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind today. We want to hear you speak a word that will change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to jump into the lab right now. The lab is going to be complicated today, and I apologize. But do you have your phones? Can you, can you take them out? Put that slide up on the screen, would you please, Ed? Brian, you can put that on the live stream as well. Uh, and if you're able to, to, to go to this website, you're going to find it through the QR code. I want, to, I want you to get your um, camera app. It's, it's the real story of Christmas. This is our outreach, and this is what we're doing as our lab today. If you can point your camera at that picture on the screen, you probably have to zoom it in, and then click the link. It'll take you to this place that I want you to see. Because this is where we're going. Tell me when you got it. And it brought up? I'm, yeah, I'm seeing candles. That's right. If you see candles, you're in the right spot. Are we getting it? Is it working for you? I cannot. It's... Yeah, it is bfamstrategy.com, but you have to navigate to, to a place, so I don't know exactly where to go. Shall we just try it? Okay, let me, let me look here. Come on, iPad, don't fail me now. bfamstrategy.com. B-F-A-M strategy.com, but it's slash something. Forward slash Christmas dash story. Is that it? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's a whole thing. This is why I didn't do that. But I understand that that uh, maybe if, if someone has it near you, have them text you. <laughs> All right? And because uh, this is complicated. So this is our Christmas outreach. And this is what I want to lead you through. All right. So imagine your Christmas prayerling. Anyone like that term? I've been really excited about Christmas prayerling. I made it up. I feel like the Apostle Paul making up words, right? But it's probably giving myself too much credit. Anyway, Christmas prayerling is not just going and singing to somebody. That's very festive and nice and, you know, holiday cheer and all that. But what we're doing is we're going to sing a Christmas carol, just one. And like Pastor Jennifer said, you can sing the same one over and over. They weren't at the last house with you. They don't know what you sang. It's going to be fresh to them. So you can go sing whatever Christmas carol, you know, and then pray over that family. Ask them, hey, is there anything that we can pray for you about? I mean, seriously, you know, and, and they'll be as open as they want to be with you. And then pray and pray the word. Don't we pray the word here? That's our confidence. That the word will work. And so, Lord, your word says, and then you speak the word. And so we declare and release that over this family in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then speak a blessing over their house. 
So there are two different events that we're talking about. The Christmas praying is meant to lead into this real story of Christmas presentation. And my hope is that all of us will in some way partner together, gather our families, our friends, our neighbors around, and do something to beautify our feet, to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus this Christmas season. Why waste Christmas? People are open more than any other time of year during Christmas. All right. So Christmas praying, you speak a blessing over the house. Isn't that good, Chris? Chris has really adopted that. Speak a blessing over someone's home. We're, we're taught about it in the scripture in our BFAM strategy. Paul was online with me. We were, we were doing uh, some Zoom classes and such, and we we're talking about all this. And, and part of that training is you bless somebody's home. Peace, come to this house in the name of Jesus, you know, and it'll be received or rejected, and you'll know it. And if it's rejected, then just move on, right? But if it's received, you may have found yourself a person of peace. And maybe their whole neighborhood is going to open up because you found them and they're like, I have, I have a sister, you know, I could bring over and we can do a Bible study. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And then you can invite them to the real story of Christmas on Christmas Eve or whatever. I've made the decision and this is, you know, scandalous, but we're not going to have a Christmas Eve service here. Why? Because you're going to have a Christmas Eve service at your house. That's the hope. If we just keep doing it all because we like it, then you're going to feel like, oh, I did it. It's done. But if we don't, they're going to be like, oh, let's do something for Christmas Eve. Yes, you should. <laughs> and this is what we're going to do. Christmas praying from the 19th. You can start whenever. You can start today. But you go Christmas praying, but include those, those four elements. Sing a Christmas carol. So ring the bell, and then like just start singing. And then they'll open the door or whatever, right? And then you're already singing, so it's not awkward. You know, uh, can we sing to you? Don't do that, right? That, <laughs> no, you know. No, just start singing. And then they'll open the door, and it's like, ah, oh, it's festive, right? And then, then they won't have to hear you sing as long. Everybody wins. Look, whatever. And so then you're singing a Christmas carol, and then pray over them, bless the home, right? Peace to this house, and then invite them to... The real story of Christmas. Hey, we're getting some neighbors together, you know, just in our driveway or in our living room or whatever, you know, at our house, uh, three houses down, whatever. And say, hey, we're going to, we're just going to get together about 30, 40 minutes and just remember Jesus, the real reason for the season, whatever you want to say and invite them. Okay. So this is this. I want to, I want to walk you through it though. Two different options. One is kind of like a more personal, you do it kind of option. Jane has not been in here for several weeks. She's been in with the children, leading them in worship. She's been learning songs on the ukulele. I know, it's righteous. You know, learning songs on the ukulele, leading the kids in worship in kids' church. And so I think we're going to have Jane bring her ukulele and just do, let's do something, right? And so you can just sing with or without an instrument. We can all sing. I know, I know some people are like, I can't sing. Yes, you can. You may not be able to sing great, but you can sing. Amen? Amen. I'm qualified to say this. I'm a singer. All right. You're like, not from what we've seen today. <laughs> Do it today. All right. So if you have your, that website open, I told you, it's, you're going to feel the love of the rock, but it's going to be a different scene today. I apologize. All right. So no, let's go through this. Is it open on your phones? Thank you. So I have one. And imagine that I'm leading, you're at my house. I invited you to my house and you came, bless God. And now here we're going to share the real story of Christmas together. I have this right in front of me. So this is not fancy. I'm just going to read it to you. Deal? Because that's the point is that you can just read it. If you can read, <laughs> you can minister. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the real story of Christmas. My name is Jeff, and I'm so glad that you came. You don't have to say Jeff. You can put your name in there. <laughs> Among the numerous Christmas traditions, there is one that has become a favorite of so many, and it is simply this, to gather together and to read the original Christmas story directly from the Scriptures and to sing Christmas carols along the way that proclaim those very events. The story of Christmas is special for two reasons. First, it's the heartwarming story of how God loved 
all of us. By the way, how crazy is it that we're in John 3.16 today and this is what we're talking about? Man, does the Lord know? So good. The heartwarming story of how God loved all of us so much that He sent His Son to become a human being. And how Jesus humbly came as a little baby in Bethlehem, only to later give His life to save us. And second, the story is special because it's true. Few people realize that so many of the carols that fill the malls and the season with the sound of Christmas are actually songs of hope and joy with powerful messages that originated from this beloved story. One of those messages is that Jesus brought light into the world. And speaking of light, toward the end of the story, we'll be lighting candles to illustrate how the light of this story is still spreading around the world. Please let us know if you did not receive a candle. When it's time, someone will come to you and light your candle, and then you can pass the light to someone else. And let's please be careful to hold the candles upright to avoid dripping hot wax, especially on young little hands. The script we will read is not our version of the Christmas story, but rather, using several translations of the Bible, we're going to read the original story, the true one, the one that comes straight from Scripture, and will start at the very beginning. And there's like a little, they can text to get these things. I'm getting there. So now, without further ado, let's read the real story of Christmas. Part one, the beginning. Do you have that? Part one, the beginning? You don't have. That's right. But it is available. Yeah, there's a separate page. But I wanted to just kind of just give that, that preamble to you. This is if I were leading you, right? But now this is you being in the, in the seat of your guest. What your guest is going to see is what you have now. Part 1, the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Word was with God, the true light, His Son, through whom He made the worlds. Now, John, continue reading that next paragraph for us. God saw everything that He had made and that it was very good. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Thank you. Susan, can you read the next one? But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. The woman was deceived, and sin was the result. She took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. That ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, deceived the whole world. All right. Cindy, do you have this? Cindy, would you read the next paragraph, please? As the scripture says, there is no one who is righteous, no one who is wise or worships God. All have turned away from God. They have all gone wrong. No one does what is right, not even one. And then we walk into part two, the prophecy. Lisa, do you have this? Would you read this Isaiah 59? That The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help. So he himself stepped in to save them. Thank you. Pastor, you have the next piece. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line, he will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this is the will and this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. Keep going. But you, brother, you, Bethlehem, thought you are small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Thank you. Does anyone over here have it? You want to read the next, next piece? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 
The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. And then we sing a song. And so check this out. You have the lyrics right in front of you. Just sing. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. All right. So imagine you go through the song. You have the scripture, the story right there. You have the song right there. Ed, I'd like you to cue up this video. This is the way that we can do this. You don't need an instrument. You can just sing the song. And then, if you let's say you bring someone... I like that idea because I can just bring people to my driveway and we can just do Christmas Eve in the driveway or whenever you want to do that. We kind of booked it for the 20th through the 24th. If that is a good time for you, people are getting close, feeling like, yeah, we should commemorate, we should do something Jesus-y or whatever. Yeah, I'll come to your house. You can do that in the driveway. Everyone has it on their phones. It's in dark mode, so it won't be like assaulting your eyes with light, right, at nighttime, yeah? And so we kind of thought through all these things, and we, we put it in your hands what to do. So whether you're the host or you're the attendee, this is how to get it to them. And uh, I want to play a video. This is the next part, as if we had done that already. This is the next part of the video. So you can read along on your app. You can watch the video. But this, if you were to invite people into your home and threw this up on the TV, airplayed it or, you know, put it on YouTube, this is what would happen. Let's watch. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Bless God. So that is just a taste of what is about a 40-minute presentation. And so if you were to bring that into your home and welcome people into your home, you can give them this gift of the real story of Christmas. There's, there's parts where there's a full band, you know, there's adults, kids singing, all these different arrangements of songs, but it's all excellently done, excellently um, spoken out with the scriptures and, and all of these people that we know and love from the rock, our rock family. Uh, and I see so many people that I'm like, oh, it's Nessa, it's Mike, you know, it's KJ. I, it's beautiful. Um, is that, that was, did you like it? I mean, that was pretty good, right? And so what we're doing is we're equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Who knows that the work of ministry belongs to you? Just raise your hands just so I can see it. <laughs> the work of ministry belongs to you. Amen. You think it belongs to you. And you're right, it does belong to me, but only in the way that it belongs to all of you too. Because we're all in this together. I'd like to invite Linda up. Linda, can you come? We, we've asked Linda to share briefly on what she's doing. She's, she's gotten something. Let me, do you want to come, come all the way up here? Make it, make it a big old deal. I'll give you a microphone. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'd like Linda to tell you what she's been exploring in her neighborhood. Um, the last couple of years, I have, along with Ken, have been getting really to know our neighbors really well. During COVID, we all went RVing together. We went way out in the desert, made a big campsite. But we have been intentionally spending time with these young families in our neighborhood. And I am watching God just really do an amazing work in them. Several of the families that we've gotten close to do know of the Lord, but they are not attending church. They're not always living, you know, completely godly. And, and I'm okay with that. I mean, 
I know that some people might frown on it, but when we're camping, they might be drinking, you know, and those kinds of things. But we have intentionally brought our lives to them. And I actually, when you talked about caroling or prayerling, I actually set up a date already for this coming Saturday with my neighbors, told them we're going to go caroling to our other neighbors. We're kind of a small neighborhood, and it, you know we'll probably have to drive from house to house because of the acreage. Um, but we're already making plans. We're going to do cookies and hot drinks afterwards. But my heart is, I want to love on these people. And I want to nurture them and draw them. And I've invited several other people to come join us. But my heart is to love on them. I want to see them serving the Lord with their whole hearts, not just in word. I want to see it in deed in their lives. And so that is what Ken and I have been doing. And, and you know, it's beyond just going camping together. Ken goes over and helps work at their houses. They come over to our houses and work. And that has opened some amazing conversations as they have developed this relationship with us that they're asking questions or sometimes they're sharing their hearts, what's troubling them. And so it's, it's, I know that God has given us several families of peace in our neighborhood. Bless God. Hold on to that mic for a second. I'd like to just interview you just, just for a minute. Sounds like life together, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm investing my life. I, I look over here because I, I, I kind of give this book to people. Life, Read this life together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote it, and I believe it, it talks about that Acts 2 lifestyle. And Ken and Linda are in, in their awesome house, awesome neighborhood, awesome view, if you've ever been. It's amazing. Um, they, have, they have decided to adopt their neighborhood and not just let them go to hell. And it's say, hey, we're going to make ourselves available. We're going to take our time. And go, and, and like she said, there's so much space between houses. You know, they may have to drive a little bit to get there, but I love that it's on the calendar, that you've been intentional about it. But what started this? What prompted you to action to motivate into this? Like, no, we're going to engage our neighbors. What was, what, what was that catalyst? That's a good question. <laughs> it's been a while. If you can think I, back, I, I don't know. I think it's because what we've been learning in the Word. Um, I've always struggled with say, witnessing, per se, you know, the traditional old-fashioned way of just going to doors and knocking on it. That's always been a struggle for me. Because especially nowadays, people are like, who are you? Mm-hmm. You know? And, I'm that way. Yeah. People come to my, someone comes to my door, what do you want? Right. I mean, not exactly, but it's, I mean, depending on what time it is, I guess. If it's late, what do you want? Especially in our neighborhood, if somebody is knocking on our door, right? that's you know, we're, our, our guard is already up because people don't do that in our neighborhood. We're not sidewalks, we're a dirt road, we're acreage. So if somebody's coming and knocking on our door and we don't know who they are, we definitely don't know who they are. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to share is how I got saved with my neighbor next door to me. Even though she didn't attend church, invited me to go to church. And through that, I heard the word as a teenager. That changed my life and my family's life forever. And so my heart is is now, as we've been just kind of talking about persons of peace and different things here, my heart has been changing. It's like, why am I not that way? I've always felt like, okay, I'm going to live that light in my neighborhood, but I need to go beyond just them seeing the light. I need I need to do some things that I can reach into their lives and come where they're at. Mm-hmm. And you know, and sometimes that's been a challenge for me. But God like I said has given me several families persons of peace and then we have some several families that are Christians already on our neighborhood. But my heart is is to draw these in and, and encourage them. And some of you met Tiffany at my women's conference. She's an amazing young woman, amazing woman. She embraces people. And my heart is to, again, draw them closer 
And, you know, it doesn't necessarily, they had come to my church, but I want to draw them closer to the Lord. That's right. That's right. I think we would all believe that someone needs a church, you know? We're, we're not all like greedy, you must come here. We've, we're the only ones with real truth or anything. We're not like that. But it's like, hey, go somewhere. You know, that's what I'm constantly encouraging people. Hey, you're welcome with us. We'd love to have you. But man, go, if, if you don't live close enough, go somewhere, you know, else. Like, go get, find a church that you can invest and pour your life into. Um, and, and I like, I wanted to go back to like when you're RVing or whatever you find to do. And it may not be RVing for you. <laughs> some people are like, I'm out. But I mean, whatever it is, you know, you may have some other hobby. But, you know, you're doing that, you're investing, and, and you've brought some people along. And, and it's like, okay, so you, you, I like how you said it. Not everyone, you know, you might be uncomfortable with this, but they're drinking alcohol or whatever. You know, there's no, there's no like full prohibition in the Bible about alcohol. You know, you can have a drink or whatever. But, um, we have certain tendencies, you know, certainly in, in leadership, you know, Jen and I have a call. It's like, we don't drink. Uh, wine is not for kings, you know, strong kings. And if you have to lead and maybe you have to lead in the middle of the night, like there's, I'm not going to be put off by having, you know, some altered state of mind, you know, when someone needs me to be on the top of my game, you know, so that's just for me. But all that to say that there's a discomfort maybe with how they live, but what, what do you expect? They're in the world. They haven't agreed to play by our rules or, you know, anything like that, right? They haven't gotten to this thing, but you're introducing them to Jesus into a new and living way. Um, that they can engage all of life with. And how would they have known unless you and Ken went? Unless you said, hey, why don't we, why don't we get together and do something? And then your light shines through. Go ahead. Um, when you think about it, what did Jesus do? He went among the sinners. And he got criticized for it. But he was going to where they were at. And that's what's important in, for us as we go where they're at, and and be able to reach them. And, I mean, you want to use wisdom and and it be a safe situation. Yes. But um, that was kind of been Ken's in my life, is we go where they're at and we try to reach them. And I'm never preaching down their throat, never. I'm living my life, and I'm allowing, because we're developing relationships with them, that this allows God to open the doors, and he has been doing that. Mm. And and we've done many things with them. I mean, we've had them over for pizza. I mean, we're talking, we have done a lot of intentional things. You know, we go get tacos together. You know, we, you know, just... Whatever it I'm takes sold. to draw them. I mean, you have you me at pizza tacos, and tacos. Huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I really appreciate that about you. I want to. I want to lift you up as an example in front of our church, you know, and in front of our online uh, community. Like, w- you live somewhere, wherever you live. Like, get after it. That's your neighborhood. You've been placed there by God, yes. you know, for this season. If you're there, God intends for you to use that as an opportunity to reach people around you because who knows if you're the only light in that community. And and here's here's just what I know. Most people are not about it. They're not after it. They're not going with the good news that they have at hand. And so we must because people must know. But your story is compelling because of your going to them. When you when you first approached the subject, was it like, hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? Or was it something more easing in it has been developing relationships that's exactly first. right that is exactly what has gone on and then it's been gradually ministering to them and being there one of our families that lives below us about a year and a half two years ago went through a horrible crisis horrible crisis in their family and you know, we prayed with them, we came alongside them, we just checked on them, just constantly loving on them, never preached at them, never, not one ounce, but we loved on them, and what they went through was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it still breaks my heart today what they went through, um, but that is what it's been, is relationships. Mm. You know, as the disciples broke bread together, what were they doing? 
They were developing relationships with one another. Mm. And any community that you look at that's a strong community, it's relational. Yes. Because that's the way God designed us to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Linda. Can we thank her? I'm going I'm to help you out. I really do appreciate that. What a perspective. Thank you for your heart, Ken. Thank you for your heart, your openness. They, they are going the distance, and I think we can learn from these great examples among us. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. For God did not send Marshall and Norma into the world to condemn the world. He did not send Chris and Nadine into the world to condemn the world, right? didn't send any of us into the world to condemn it. Are they perfect? Far from it. We still don't condemn. But that the world through the Jesus in Marshall and Norma, in Ken and Linda, in you and me, they might be saved. It's the rescue. The baby in the manger was the answer the world needed. God provided the way. God will provide for himself a lamb. And he has. And so this Christmas, we can just holiday it up like we do. Or we can have a lot of fun during the holidays. And we can also use the real story of Christmas, of the real Jesus, bring that to people. Because how are they going to know unless someone preaches it to them? And how is someone going to preach unless they're sent? You're sent. Goodbye. (laughs) Seriously. Amen and amen. If you will go do this, there is no stopping what the Lord is going to do. Amen.